Welcome to Embracing Your Power Within podcast. Consider this to be your weekly dose of mindset development, honest conversation, and kick-ass positive energy. I'm your host, Cheryl Barron. I'm a corporate executive, master mindset mentor, and career development expert. I'm here to help you step into who you want to be. We're here to dream big and make shit happen. We'll explore what's holding you back and how to overcome it. So let's get started. Welcome back to Embracing Your Power podcast. I've got a really cool topic for today, and it's all about emotional intelligence. So some of you may be saying, what the heck is emotional intelligence? Well, we're going to dive into that and why EQ, which is emotional intelligence, and you'll hear me reference it that way, is so important and how it really can determine your success. So our challenging world has been quietly reflecting the value of emotional intelligence in the workforce, in our businesses, in our lives, in our marriages, in our relationships for several years. And this is often referred to as the other type of smart. So the traditional benchmarks of intelligence, such as a high IQ, have really proven to not produce the highest achievers in the workforce, which is very interesting because you might think the opposite. But emotional intelligence argues that individuals who possess four core skills are actually better able to experience the most success and satisfaction in their jobs than those who are lower or lacking EQ. And emotional intelligence is one of three key skills you need to have to be a great leader, to be a great entrepreneur, or to be successful overall and to have good, strong relationships. So there are four core skills that make up emotional intelligence, and those are self-awareness, And this is the ability to really understand and be aware of your emotions and also how you might come across to other people. And then there's self-management. And this is understanding your emotions. And by doing that, you're able to develop personal competence. And by doing that, you're able to direct your behavior in a more positive way. And then there's social awareness. And aside from understanding your own emotions, social awareness allows you to pick up on the emotions of other people. And this helps you to develop social competence and understanding what is happening in any given situation. So you're very aware of other people and you can read other people's emotions. And then there's relationship management. And this is how you interact and how you engage with customers or collaborating with coworkers or employees or relationships in your life outside of work. And when you pay attention to this, you can pick up on the emotions of other people and then you can think about your reactions based on where that other person is. And becoming emotionally intelligent gives anyone in leadership roles the ability to be more empathetic. And this is critical. Providing help when there are setbacks and inspiring other people to show up and do their best work, that's all part of empathy. 
And that's part of creating really strong teams. And this is what leadership is all about. It's not about being the boss. It's not about telling people what to do and demanding respect. It's not about power. It's about inclusion. And the same can be said for entrepreneurs. Those possessing EQ have the ability to seek out other people who also have emotional intelligence and hire them to join their teams and build up their businesses. This is something I look for and I identify anytime I'm hiring somebody for my team. I look for emotional intelligence because I know they're going to be a team player and I know they're going to be the type of person that I'm going to want integrated within my business. And the other is to be nimble. What comes to mind when you think of someone who has a nimble nature? When I hear this word, I tend to think of entrepreneurs. And possessing a nimble approach means being flexible and fluid. And if you're starting your own business or owning your own business or leading another business, you know that flexibility is inevitable. You have to be able to flex and change and pivot on a dime. And then millennials come to mind also, because I think millennials know this. They understand there are times when they need to stick to a script or stick to a certain way of doing things. And then there are times when that needs to be thrown out the window and your script needs to be rewritten. And they are really good at that. So when unexpected things happen, like a global pandemic, like COVID, everything changes out of necessity. There are new customers and their needs need to be met. It's simply not realistic to act as though nothing out of the ordinary is happening. And any of you who work during COVID likely are able to think about at least one, if not many times where you needed to suddenly pivot and transform your existing processes or the way you're doing business. All of us had to do that. Luckily, nimble behavior is not completely new to us. We've all lived through massive changes. So we understand that one of the keys to getting through uncertain times is to embrace uncertainty. And flexibility helps us do that. And understanding how to scrap one plan entirely, write a new one from scratch, and then act on it alongside a team is really an incredibly valuable skill. And we all need to be using this, and we all had to be doing this during the pandemic. And we'll continue to have to do that well after. Another example For those of you opening new businesses and putting yourself out there for the first time, what you started will morph into something else almost always. You may find that what you're selling isn't getting the feedback you were hoping for, and you may have had to tweak that. But you do that. You tweak it and you adapt it. You don't throw in the towel. You don't throw it away. You need to be nimble and willing to roll with the changes. I recorded this a couple of times because I just didn't like something about it the last two times. And to be honest, I might not love everything about it this time, but that's okay. I didn't stop doing it. I'm able to pivot. Nothing is 100% out of the gate. and We can't get stuck if we come up against a change. So change is a constant in business and everywhere in your life. If you're a person who doesn't like change, 
And believe me, there are a lot of people who do not like change. You have to get yourself comfortable with it. And you can do that by recognizing it and letting yourself feel that emotion of being uncomfortable. And over time, that uncomfortable or uneasy feeling will start to lessen. The third is connectedness. Are there other traits I could have listed in this third slot? Yep, I could have. I could have talked about how to innovate and how that allows us to learn new concepts and adapt, or I could have played up the always popular characteristics of being tech savvy, Uh, but I'm going to highlight this instead, and I'm also going to highlight millennials here. In the pandemic, if you watched how millennials treated each other, which I did because I have um, a mixed group on my team, but I do have a lot of millennials mixed in. And while there certainly is an emphasis on working hard and getting the job done, these team members also found a way to check in on each other, and they did that more than any other group. And along with a pandemic health crisis, you guys, is a mental health crisis. And employees all around the world have been experiencing high levels of depression, anxiety, and burnout. And I keep referencing millennials because, in my opinion, many of them have got emotional intelligence down. Millennials prioritize people and relationships. So if a colleague is acting off or seems down or depressed, they'll be the first one to pick up on it. And they will also be among the first to try to offer help. What can I do? Are you okay? Can I take something off your plate? Those are just some examples of questions they'll ask and answers will help them get to the root of the issue. It's that kind of support that matters across all generations and across all businesses, regardless of how your workplace looks. So why do we even care about emotional intelligence in business? That's a good question. Emotional intelligence, to me, is a foundation to success. So control your emotions and you control your ability to think clearly, to make decisions and to work effectively. So EQ is extremely important when it comes to leadership. A big part of a successful working environment is knowing that you can rely on your team and you can rely on the consistency of your leader. So if the environment is toxic, if your leader is toxic, then no one will want to be there. You'll get the minimum out of people because people need a paycheck, but that is all you're going to get. So who wants to work for or with anybody who can't control their reactions? I don't. Do you work with people who storm out or snap at people because they're frustrated or in a bad mood or something happened that changed their day and they can't handle change well or they didn't like what they heard so they just dismissed it and walked away? I know I have many times in the past and it just tells me when that's happening that that person is feeling out of control. And sometimes they're feeling envious at the time also. They might react negatively when someone else has some success or gets some attention. That's insecurity. So when you can identify where the behavior is coming from, you might be able to deal with it a little bit more, but not for the long haul. It's also good for you to understand that assumptions are being made when you act like that. Now, I know everyone needs to vent sometimes, and that's okay, but you need to control where and when you do that and 
who you do it with or in front of. So self-awareness and relationship management are key EQ traits that drive quality and engagement of your team. Emotional intelligence is nothing more than good old common courtesy. In order to create a supportive work environment, leaders need to simply keep their cool. Think before you react, especially if you feel your emotions bubbling up. That's a sign to take a step back before reacting impulsively. That's when you want to walk away for a little bit and then come back after you've had time to think about it. And why do you think this is important? Because when you respond impulsively and with emotion, nine out of 10 times, you're coming back and you're apologizing later. And that's fine. But every time you do that, you're losing credibility with your team and you're losing respect. You have to know that. And most of us don't realize that, but you're losing credibility. You are the leader. They look to you to be in control of your reactions. And when you aren't, you're not someone who they're going to want to walk into a storm with. And good leaders know that. So the number one thing leaders can do to create a supportive working environment is to make sure every single person feels visible and feels heard. This is highly achievable with a little bit of focus and a little bit of effort. But I promise you, you'll get amazing results for employee engagement. And if you're a solo entrepreneur, same applies. You want your customers to feel visible and heard. You can apply all of this to a solo business into every single personal relationship you have. So why do we want to do this? Have you ever been in a job or on a team where no one ever listens when you speak up or they cut you off in mid-sentence and talk about something else or give their perspective or opinion? Or if you throw an idea or a suggestion out, it's just shut down or worse, not even acknowledged? Believe me, I've heard some really stupid ideas in my career as a leader, but I always acknowledge them instead of shutting it down which let's face it, at times, that's a reaction we want to give, but you can't. So saying it won't work or ignoring what they said, instead of doing that, ask questions. And if it's a stupid idea, you can say something like, that's an interesting idea. I'm not sure that makes sense to implement right now, but I want to better understand it. So put together the details of what you're thinking and how you think you might execute on that and send it over to me and we can take a look at it. This allows a person to feel heard. It also gives them a chance to vet the idea out more and for you to have time to respond to it later. And if you shut people down, Trust me, they will stop coming with ideas and you do not want that. So what can you do today to increase your emotional intelligence? In my opinion, no part of EQ is more important than our ability to effectively manage our own negative emotions. And we need to do that so they don't overwhelm us and affect our judgment. So in order to change the way we feel about a situation, we need to change the way we think about it. And here's an example. Number one, stop personalizing someone's behavior. I have a friend who calls me every day and I have a lot going on in my life. And sometimes I just can't call her back right away. Sometimes I can't call her back that same day and she takes it personally. 
It's not that I'm ignoring her, which is what her emotions are telling her. And if she just listened to her emotions, she'd probably be really upset. Instead, she needs to look for other possibilities and change the perspective around it, such as Cheryl has a full-time job Monday through Friday and also does mindset and coaching work on the side. She is super busy right now and it has nothing to do with me. See the difference in that perspective? And number two, reduce your fear of rejection. One effective way to manage your fear of rejection is to provide yourself with multiple options in important situations so that no matter what happens, you have strong alternatives. So avoid putting all of your eggs in one basket emotionally by identifying a visible plan B and a plan C should plan A not work out. For example, here's a statement that increases fear of rejection. I'm applying for my dream job. I'll be devastated if they don't hire me. And if they don't hire me, I honestly don't know what I'll do. That's a statement full of fear of rejection. Instead, you might want to say, I'm applying for three exciting positions. This is your plan A, B, and C. If one doesn't pan out, there are two more I'm well qualified for. And I know something's going to work out. That's a statement that decreases your fear of rejection. And three, the ability to stay cool and manage stress is so, so, so important. Most of us experience some level of stress in our life. It's inevitable. We cannot stop it. But how we handle stressful situations can make the difference. And it can make the difference between being proactive instead of reactive, to be calm, cool, and collected versus frazzled. And when under pressure, the most important thing to keep in mind is to keep your cool. And here are a couple of tips on how to do that. So first, if you feel nervous or anxious, I'm telling you guys, do this. And I know it sounds ridiculous, but splash cold water on your face and get out into some fresh air because cool temperature reduces our anxiety level. It automatically does that. And that's why you see people doing that. And I do that. Avoid caffeinated beverages as much as you can when you're stressed out or you're anxious because we all know caffeine is a stimulant and it stimulates our nervous system, which is already in overdrive. And three, if you feel fearful, depressed, or discouraged, I know you don't want to hear this, but get out and exercise. I know some of you don't want to do that, but those endorphins are a game changer. And as the saying goes, motion dictates emotion. So get out there when you're feeling depressed, stressed, or discouraged. And number four, the ability to be assertive and express difficult emotions when you need to. So, you know, it's not all sunshine and unicorns. Sometimes we have to be assertive and sometimes we have to have difficult conversations with people. And there are times in all of our lives where it's important to set boundaries so people know where we stand. People don't do this enough. I struggle with this sometimes and been working really hard to set more boundaries. But these can include exercising your right to disagree without being disagreeable. There's a difference there. Saying no without feeling guilty. This is the one I'm working on. 
setting our priorities, getting what we paid for. How many of you have gotten something and it wasn't up to the standard that you thought and it wasn't worth what you paid for it? What do you do about that? This is another one I'm working on. For me, a lot of times I might say something, but mostly I just move on. And, you know, I need to change that a little bit. And protecting ourselves from duress and harm. That's the obvious. We all know we need to do those two things. And one method that I learned a long time ago that I still do to this day when needing to express difficult emotions or having a difficult conversation with somebody is the XYZ technique. And it goes like this. I feel X when you do Y in situation Z. And here are some examples. I feel strongly that I should get a 10% raised based on my contributions. And here's what they are. I feel uncomfortable that you expect me to help you over my own priorities. I feel disappointed that you didn't follow through when you told me you would. So when you avoid using sentences that begin with you, and they are natural go-to. We always want to start with, you didn't do this, or if you did that, or whatever it is, it starts with you, and it's usually followed by an accusation or a judgment, such as, you are, or you should, or you need to. You language, followed by directives, put the listener on the defensive, always and makes them less likely to open up to what you have to say. In fact, most of the time, they just stop listening. And the last one I'm going to talk about is the ability to bounce back from adversity. Look, I failed at things in my life more than once, and that's why I succeed. When I'm knocked down, I get up. Life is not easy, you guys. We all know this. How we choose the way we think, feel, and act in relation to those challenges, make the difference between those who succeed and those who never quite get there. So with every challenging situation we encounter, ask questions like, what is the lesson here? How can I learn from this experience? What is most important right now? And if I think outside the box, what are some better answers? I ask myself these questions all the time when things get tough or when I'm not getting something done or when I'm not getting the results that I'm looking for. The higher the quality of questions you ask yourself, the better the quality answers you're going to receive. So ask constructive questions based on learning and priorities. And then we get perspective to help us tackle those tough situations when we do that. Listen, Abraham Lincoln lost eight elections. He failed twice in business, and he suffered a nervous breakdown before he became the president of the United States. So that's the point I'm trying to make. So we just scraped the surface of emotional intelligence, but I really hope you got enough out of it to better understand what it is, why it's so important, and how you can strengthen yours. I'm going to put a link to my website in the show notes. If you want some additional information on EQ, I'll post some there. I'll also post in the show notes a link to a free emotional intelligence quiz so you can see where your strengths are and where you might want to focus. So thank you for hitting play today. If you like what you heard today, please go to Apple Podcast or wherever you listen and leave a review for the show. That would really, really help me out. So until next time, I hope you have a fantastic week. Thank you so much for hitting play today. 
If you like what you've heard, please like and subscribe to my podcast so I can keep the good stuff coming. I can't wait to connect with you on the next episode of Embracing Your Power Within. Have a fantastic week.